Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium. Excuse me? Excuse me? Oh, sorry. Excuse me? You mind if I just squeeze by here? This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey guys, welcome. It's time for this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. And as always, we're very excited because in just a few days, we have the Italian Grand Prix coming up. And Kunal, it's so exciting because we have two of Formula One's greatest circuits. Uh, they're hosting races back to back. That's absolutely a delight for all of us. I know and I would like to add uh, Suzuka and even Singapore on the list and both circuits for different reasons. But uh, the circuits in the second half of the season certainly have more of the good old motor motorsport charm and character in my view. So I know between Spa and Monza, we were all expecting a lot of things. And it's a bit of an anti-climax because nothing much has changed. Uh, there were no new driver announcements. And uh, I think the only good news is that Esteban Ocon and Sergio Perez will both be in the car in Monza, at least for <laughs> Racing Point Force India. Well, the other good news is that Robert Vickens, who had a massive crash in the last IndyCar race in Pocono, is recovering well and is actually breathing without medical aid. So that's really good news as well. Kunal, I actually followed the crash and Wickens' health updates on social media. And I must say that the crash was a very scary one. So I'm just so glad that he's recovering well. Touch wood. Touch wood. And uh, I would definitely recommend tuning into Off Track with James Hincliffe and Alexander Rossi. It's a podcast that has some really funny stories from the IndyCar paddock. Kunal, I can see that you're already warming up to IndyCar, given that Fernando Alonso is expected to make his announcement to race in that series very, very soon. Yes, and Fernando Alonso aside, Felix Rosenquist, our favourite Formula E driver, might actually be racing in IndyCar as well. And basically, that means the talent quotient in IndyCar is going to only shoot up next season. Yeah, and Lewis Hamilton could always just be waiting to join that list, given how much he loves that country. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, in this week's episode, we have just so much in store for y'all. So we're going to start by wondering, how many drivers have McLaren approached for the 2019 Formula 1 season? It's crazy. There's also a longer version of Moments in Time with Lucien where he speaks about uh, the Italian Grand Prix. So stay tuned towards the latter part of this show to hear about the most memorable races from Monza. And the most shocking news that I heard today, I cannot believe that Danny Kivat is a name that I'm even hearing today. You know, let alone <laughs> the fact that he might make a comeback to Formula One and that too with Toro Rosso. Ouch. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we share our stories from Spa and I talk about the awesomely cool heads-up display visor that the Super Formula series tested a few days ago. 
Yes, so guys, please remember subscribe to us on iTunes and on Audio Boom. Like always, we promise you a weekly dose of Formula One humor. Yes, so back to our show. I think uh, the only news that has gained traction between Spa and Monza is that of McLaren talking to Sergio Perez for a return to the team for 2019 and 2020. And let me put it this way: if McLaren are actually talking to Perez. He becomes the eighth driver they would be talking to. And let me do this count. So there's, of course, Lewis Hamilton and Daniel Ricciardo, uh, the potentials that they were hoping would sign with the team. Then, of course, there's Fernando Alonso, Stoffel Van Doon and Lando Norris for either renewals or for a promotion. And then there's Carlos Sainz Jr. for signing him up for next season. And uh, today, Esteban Ocon confirmed that he actually had a seat fit at McLaren. So that makes him the seventh driver. And now there's Sergio Perez. I think the only name I'm waiting to hear in this list is Kevin Magnussen. Because then I'll know that McLaren has lost all sense of (laughs) (laughs) self-respect. Ouch. Yeah. But you know, honestly, despite all of this, if they retain Stoffel Van Doon, I think they've already damaged his self-confidence and it could show that not many other drivers want to risk their careers trying to help McLaren recover, you know? Yeah, you know, Formula One. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting uh, you use the phrase help McLaren recover because McLaren will recover. That's for certain, or at least that's something that I hope as, as a Formula One fan. We need them to be competitive. But it's also this way. It's about which driver is willing to risk his career while trying to help them recover because it's a great marquee team to drive for, but hey, they're being eliminated in Q1 these days. So on that note, I was actually surprised when Carlos Sainz Jr. said in Spa that he was overjoyed to be considered by McLaren as a driver and that didn't let him feel disappointed about being overseen by Red Bull Racing. I was also shocked when Stoffel Van Doon said that McLaren have made no progress this season. That is just... A crazy thing to say. I, I wonder if Fernand, uh, I wonder if uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. actually heard this bite of Stoffel Van Doon because it is actually shocking and it actually ties in with what Fernando Alonso said a few races ago that McLaren have had just one proper upgrade this year. So, uh, Carlos, I really hope you know what you're doing, like Kimi <laughs> Raikkonen. But uh, the best comment about McLaren came from Zach Brown. So, he said that McLaren have added more sponsors than any other team this season. And clearly, to me, it just seems like he's trying to save his job at a time when people are being sacked at McLaren every other week. Jensen Button, he went and he's also issued a statement to Carlos Sainz to be patient while at McLaren. And I guess these are, you know, the wise words from the old man. (laughs) (laughs) Jensen Button, the good old man of Formula One. (laughs) Also, Formula One wants Fernando Alonso to be their ambassador. And this is after he says that he's quitting the sport because it's boring and predictable. And Formula One is very brave to have Fernando as their ambassador. I'll leave it at that. I know, because there has not been a single positive word come out of Alonso's mouth regarding the sport in the last many months or maybe many years. And it's surprising that Formula One still wants to have him as an ambassador. I mean, for Alonso's sake, he wouldn't mind it because I'm sure he's going to charge money to be an ambassador. So... He'll probably not be racing, but he'll still be making money from Formula One. But that's typical Alonso. 
Or, or, or that's typical Flavio Briatore then. <laughs> but that's also what he's done for a lot of his time at McLaren, you know, not racing but still making money, <laughs> sitting by the sidelines in the deck chair, etc. Uh, but, you know, the other shocking news that I read just hours before, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, uh, was that Danny Kivat may make a comeback to Toro Rosso. It's crazy. And, you know, there are comebacks and then there's Danny Kivat's comeback. <laughs> you know, it's like literally a bitter public divorce followed by like a remarriage. Where did that come from? <laughs> well, we've kept talking about Red Bull Racing's problem of plenty. And of course, all of this while we spoke about the problem of plenty drivers that they had on their roster. But Daniel Ricciardo has gone. Uh, Carlos Sainz Jr. is going and uh, it's now a problem of plenty of cockpits that Red Bull Racing have. So <laughs> the problem of plenty remains, just that the commodity differs. <laughs> yeah, incidentally, we also uh, saw uh, Jean-Éric Wern in the paddock at Spa. Just, just <laughs> saying it, just saying it. <laughs> Maybe we should do a count of how many drivers Red Bull would have spoken to or will speak to to fill up the seats at Toro Rosso. And that number will most definitely be more than eight. Yeah, for sure. So many we might not even know of, you know. But okay, so my final note on the driver, sillier, sillier season, call it what you may. Uh, Artem Markelov to Williams and he's got some backing. I'm wondering if it's going to be an all-Russian lineup at Williams or if Robert Kubica will still get a chance, which I really hope for. Yes, and my final point is that most driver contracts are ending 2020. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Max Verstappen... Daniel Ricciardo, etc., etc. So let's hope that along with the technical regulations in 2021, there is an overall in the driver lineups as well. You know, I hope good drivers get into fast cars and that we have more fast cars as well because that's also something that Formula One needs. Fingers crossed. Up next, we have Monza, the Italian Grand Prix. Uh, but before we talk about that, guys, we were at uh, Spa. We were there for the Belgian Grand Prix. We were reporting live from the paddock. And some really quick points about our visit there. So yes, the circuit is breathtaking. We were so happy and grateful to be there. We were staying in Aachen in Germany and we traveled up and down each day to the circuit. It's very well connected. So if any of y'all, uh, you know, plans to go next year, do it. Lots of fun. Yes, and the circuit had free Wi-Fi, which is, which is great. The media center was actually very welcoming. And all in all, it was a fantastic experience. And... To me, the most memorable experience was standing just on the outside of Eau Rouge and clicking these boomerang videos and, you know, publishing them on our Facebook page, asking <laughs> uh, followers to guess which team it was. And trust me, it was damn tough. <laughs> How very millennial of you, Kunal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have Wi-Fi for all the millennial uh, viewers of the sport. <laughs> but, you know, the only thing I was hoping for was a bit of rain on Sunday, you know, maybe on like one third of the track or something. <laughs> I don't want to complain, but the race did get a little boring, but it's okay. Yes, I think God is a MotoGP fan. He sent all the rain to the MotoGP race in Silverstone. And in fact, he sent, since I say all of it, there was none of it left for Spa. And uh, to make matters worse for MotoGP, they had to actually cancel the race because it was extremely wet and dangerous. Yeah, but i rather have a boring race than no race, you know. So maybe God is a <laughs> Formula One fan. <laughs> Saturday's qualifying, though, it was just so much fun. It was just a bit of rain and suddenly our sport was just... Boom, brightening up and how. Yes, and that's the truth about Formula 1 these days. You know, the current formula needs an external factor like a safety car period or the rain or, you know, 
or even a crash to just make races uh, entertaining and exciting. So guys, in the build-up to Monza, Formula One hosted their F1 Live in Milan. And I don't know if any of you guys lived there. If you all do, tell us how it was. But social media was abuzz with photos and videos from the event. I'm I'm sure basically everyone knows now that Sebastian Vettel crashed during his Ouch. demo run. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you were just waiting to state that. <laughs> it was so bizarre. <laughs> well, I do know that one of our listeners... Jean Vincent is there in Monza. He's been sending us pictures uh, from the circuit. And uh, we'll definitely share a lot of those pictures on our Facebook page as well. But talking of Vettel's crash, you know, it's like uh, uh, he actually blamed Kimi Raikkonen already for it. So he said that he was driving with Raikkonen's steering wheel and the clutch pedal is on the opposite side. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure as long as Sebastian Vettel doesn't crash in the race on Sunday, he's going to be okay. I mean, you know, with the Tifosi around, he better get his act together. Yeah, I think he'll be he'll be more safe in the car after crashing than out of it, you know. But anyway, you're not jinxing anything. We need both the drivers to have, like, flawless races so that we have the best driver winning. But yes. it might actually rain in Monza on Saturday. And that's probably in and around somewhere around qualifying. And this would mean that rain would have affected like the fourth straight race this season. Yeah, basically, the race is more consistent than Romain Grosjean. <laughs> <laughs> and in the rains up until now, Lewis Hamilton. Wait, 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 I have one more. And the race, uh, and the rain made it to Q3 in Spa. <laughs> And the McLarens did not. Yeah, <laughs> performs better and more consistent. <laughs> so, well, in uh, the race, uh, in uh, well, well, in the rains, I meant, uh, Lewis Hamilton has actually had the edge over Sebastian Vettel. And let's see what actually happens in Monza, because uh, Hamilton's just been better in the rain, which is which is good and strange at the same time, because Vettel himself has been a really strong wet weather racer. But uh, going back to Spa, so. Formula One snatched the fastest lap record from the souped-up and out-of-regulations Porsche that Neil Jani drove a few months ago. And uh, this was one stat that everyone going gaga about, but this is that one stat that I actually don't bother about at all. Because I don't really care how fast the Formula One cars go and if they're the fastest or not. Uh, because uh, the only thing I really care about is if it gets us a good wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing action. And it's, in fact, the fastest cars uh, out there right now, which is why we lack a race-long battle. And, you know, we have to rely on artificial overtaking. And then you hear me complaining all the time on the inside <laughs> okay, line. <stop>. So. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, now that I think about it, Spa had only, what, two non-DRS overtakes. So there was Vettel on Hamilton, obviously. And Botas on one of the midfield drivers into Orange. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. <laughs> Well, it was Botas doing like an Alonzo Weber or something to that effect. <laughs> but I've been actually waiting to say this about Spy as well. So Hulkenberg went all Hulk smash mode at the start and luckily no one was injured. <laughs> and let me let me also admit, I, I, I made a mistake because I was one of the first ones to question if the Halo actually saved Charles Leclerc in Spa. But let me put it this way. I am so glad that we didn't have to wait to find out otherwise. Yeah, the Halo has become a part of my visual identity of a Formula One car. I guess we end up talking about it only in a positive setting like what, you know, happened in Spa. So, yeah, that's great. Yes, yeah, so moving on, Red Bull Racing and Toro Rosso have said that they will follow the Haas 
Ferrari uh, model of partnership going forward. And I'm actually surprised that they didn't do that already. Okay. But basically, this could mean that Williams and Force India, if they end up partnering with Mercedes, and there is good reason that Williams is going to do that, and maybe Force India will follow suit as well. And Haas and Sauber already had this partnership with Ferrari. So if there is Toro Rosso with Red Bull, I would expect the performance gaps to only become lesser next season. And this means that we'll have a faster Formula 1, hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> so Haas is now six points away from Renault in fourth place in the Constructors' Championship, obviously. And uh, Haas says that they've stopped developing their 2018 car. So I'm going to be really excited to see who claims, you know, the best of the rest tag, which team gets it. Yes, and uh, if Force India had their 59 points from the first half of the season, they would have been tied for points with Haas at 76 points each. And I think I am definitely going to maintain this counter for the rest of the season. I mean, not that it matters to anyone, just but just to have some fun, you know, because uh, Force India and I'm, I'm actually betting that they will be seventh in the Constructors' Championship without a doubt. And if McLaren don't have a good run, maybe even sixth. Fingers crossed. We shall see. Uh, but I'm sure that Renault's no score in Spa would be concerning Daniel Ricciardo. And, you know, in Monza, Ricciardo's going to be starting at the back of the grid. So, guys... I think y'all should be looking out for some killer overtaking from him. Let me add killer last-minute overtaking from Daniel <laughs> Ricciardo. Yes. But in Spa, I was actually excited to see Valtteri Bottas and Nico Hulkenberg, both of whom had grid penalties thanks to power unit changes, claw their way through the field. You know, Just for reference, just to see how uh, the race performance difference between uh, a Mercedes and a Renault would have been. But thank you, Nico Hulkenberg. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, uh, I wanted to crack a really mean Alonso joke like, oh, this is the only time all season that we've seen a McLaren flying on track. But <laughs> that's very rude. I shouldn't crack those jokes. Ouch, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I never said that. But, you know, I know we've already spoken about Sergio Perez before, but it seems like he's already sucking up big time to the Stroll family. So he went and said that uh, Lance Stroll performed so well against Felipe Massa last year. I mean, what the hell is he even talking about? <laughs> <laughs> now, this is exactly why I don't know what to make of Sergio Perez's advice to Daniel Ricciardo. So he said that Nico Hulkenberg will be a tough teammate to beat in Renault. And let's remember, Daniel Ricciardo is actually up against Max Verstappen for the last couple of seasons. So one would actually expect that Hulkenberg, Hulkenberg would be like an easier teammate to beat for someone like a Ricciardo. Yes, and all right, guys, I know y'all have been waiting for this minute all through the podcast, so I'm going to give it to y'all. It's time for my favorite What Toro Wolf Said This Week section. Drum roll. <laughs> <laughs> so Toro Wolf said that the result in Monza will have Mercedes decide whether or not to use team orders to help Lewis Hamilton's title bid. So basically, sooner or later, Valtteri Bottas is going to officially earn the title of becoming Lewis Hamilton's wingman. Or like I, or like, uh, I prefer to say, hitman. Ouch. Why yeah. would you call him hitman? But anyway, since we talked of the, of the wingman, I wonder if this is uh, then going to piss off the mechanic who adjusts Hamilton's front wing angle each time he asks for a correction. Because he is actually Hamilton's wingman. <laughs> now, this is the reason why you might... Not want to subscribe to the inside line. but <laughs> Guys, it's him. It's not me. Listen to me. <laughs> I'm actually funny. <laughs> yeah, and Toto Wolf also said that, you know, Mercedes has many, many, many deficits to Ferrari. 
But you know, Kunal, there's something that Mercedes has, that Toro Wolf has, that Ferrari does not have. Do you know what it is? I don't know. Constructors points? Championship no. points? It's his own segment on the Inside Line Formula One podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes, yes, you're I, welcome, Taro. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so guys, on to Monza. Yes, we're looking forward to it. A uh, Ferrari has not won here since 2010. So I cannot imagine how mad the Tifosi would go if, you know, either Sebastian Vettel or Kimi Raikkonen won on Sunday. Crazy. Yeah, you're actually saying Kimi Raikkonen could win on Sunday. I'm, I'm thinking that in my head, but I know it's not going to happen. <laughs> well, Mercedes have had one, two finishes since 2014. And that's obvious because this is the temple of speed. And the fastest cars eventually end up winning here. But I think this year's race is going to be different. Mercedes are definitely being challenged by Ferrari. And the same is going to happen in Monza as well. So... Before we move on, here is Moments in Time with Lucien. And as you guys already know, Lucien is an avid listener of our show. In fact, he's more than a listener. He's great support. You know, he sends us stories. He sends us items to remember and talk about. And also the opening and closing links of our show are composed by him. Yes, he's a professional musician. And guys, you can listen to his music on Bandcamp. So here's the Moments in Time with Lucien. Hi. Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today we look back on some of the memorable moments of the Italian Grand Prix of the past. Benvenuti ragazzi e ragazze to il Gran Premio d'Italia. Ciao a tutti. La gara di Monza è un punto culminante del calendario perché è molto veloce e di grande spettacolo. I tifosi sono molto appassionati e hanno occhi solo per i Ferrari. <laughs> that will do for my Italian for now. So here we are at the Italian Grand Prix, a track that is a highlight of the calendar for its speed and great spectacle. Not to mention Le Donne Bellissima. So, a few races to recall. 1989, it is all out war at McLaren. Senna and Prost are not talking, and for the second year in a row, Senna is ridiculously faster than Prost in the same car, supposedly. On the straight, it was obvious what was going on. But Prost, who used to be heckled by the Tafosi, even having had bottles and stones thrown at him in his Renault days, was suddenly the darling of the crowd, having just signed for Ferrari. Senna broke down, spinning on his own oil, and even though Ferrari had Berger and Mansell in the cars, the Tafosi were delighted to see Prost win in a McLaren Honda. It was to be his last win for the team too, but... Prost angered Ron Dennis by tossing the trophy to the crowd. At McLaren, the trophies belonged to the team. Principal Lewis Hamilton would fight later on in his career. Years later, Prost had a replica made and made up with Ron. But earlier in the race weekend, the team had put a plate of pasta and a bottle of Italian wine in Prost's car, clearly showing their disdain for him leaving. 1993 should have seen Alain Prost wrap up his fourth and final title, but he broke down in a plume of smoke, five laps from the end. Hill won, and Senna, quite demotivated at the time, made a rookie error punting Brundelhoff. But the race is remembered for the finish line movie-style flip from Christian Fittipaldi in his Minardi, and how he landed perfectly on the straight and kept going and finished the race. Insane! 1978. Sadly, this was the race where we lost Ronnie Pearson. 
and Riccardo Patrese was apportioned the blame for this for years, though later exonerated. James Hunt didn't get the memo, and once he became a commentator, he let this affect his judgment whenever commentating on him. 2006 saw Alonso break down in the Renault, and the crowd went nuts, because guess who won? Michael Schumacher in the Ferrari. 1996. Oh, Damon Hill. He was likely to wrap up the title, but he hit the temporary tyre bales at the chicane, which many others did, including Irvine and Villeneuve. They all suffered for it, but Shuey, on his first drive for Ferrari at Monza, he did the same, but he got away with it and wowed the crowd by winning. Oh, Damon, he made us wait right till the end of the season. 1967 saw the late John Surtees win his last Grand Prix, but it was Honda's second ever, and ironically, it was the last they would win until Jensen Button won in Hungary 2006, and that has been their last win. 1999 saw Mika Hakkinen spin out of an easy lead and win, letting Frentzen get the last of his career wins. Mika then had his famous crying incident, where he even joked later that boys don't cry with his customary cheeky laugh. 1971 saw the closest finish in Formula 1 history, with Peter Gethin beating Ronnie Peterson, with the top five covered by 0.61 of a second. 2001, sadly, was marred by 9-11 and the accident that had Alex Zanardi lose his legs in a champ car race. It made the weekend very sombre. Montoya got his first win, though, which was about time, considering how he entered the sport with such a bang. Jackie Stewart won for the first time in 1965. 1988. McLaren Honda with Senna and Prost were winning everything. Nobody stood a chance. But, for some reason, Senna got rattled right towards the end of the race with the oncoming Ferraris. Now keep in mind, Enzo Ferrari had just died, it was Monza, and Senna, with fuel issues and getting rattled, came up upon Jean-Louis Schlescher, who was deputising for Nigel Mansell, and he made a rookie error, crashed into him, ending up beached on the chicane. Berger and Alboreto duly gave Ferrari a 1-2 front of the Tafosi celebrating the death of Enzo Ferrari. That's it for Memories in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Arrivederci a tutti, a presto, ciao ciao. Thank you so much Lucien. Okay Kunal, so it's that important time where I ask you for your predictions. I'm going to go with Vettel, Raikkonen and Lewis Hamilton because I think at least one of the races this season Kimi Raikkonen will end up being ahead of Lewis Hamilton and that's going to make a lot of changes in the Drivers' Championship. And I think that Monza is going to be that race. Yeah, you know, I think I'm also going to go with a Vettel, Raikkonen and Hamilton. Mostly because I just want to see Kimi Raikkonen on the podium ahead of <laughs> Lewis Hamilton for once. And I'm sure the Tifosi would go absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think they'll go yeah, they'll go just, berserk if it's like two drivers on the podium, but they'll go absolutely mad if it's like a Ferrari 1-2, you know, yes. given what it could mean to all of them. But uh, apart from that, at the Italian Grand Prix, Formula 1 has showcased the new ballistic helmets that will be made mandatory from next season. Basically, more safety for the drivers without a lot changing in the helmets. But all of this, while Super Formula has tested a heads-up display visor, for their series next year. And I really love how, you know, uh, we're pushing technology to its absolute best 
in every sphere of the sport and uh, obviously i wouldn't want this heads up display to be used uh, uh, you know to replace the steering wheel display that we get via the onboard cameras because i think the steering wheel display is also very crucial information uh, during the race yeah and since you've talked of the obc the position of the obc will change for 2019 this is obviously to accommodate the view of the halo uh, basically guys if you all remember the current obc position shows the halo right in the center of the screen and it's an obstruction it's not very pretty yeah but just hear mithila talk like the technical pro you know onboard <laughs> camera don't, don't, don't embarrass me it's like obc <laughs> but okay yeah <laughs> but we had already discussed this earlier in the year on you know how and why formula 1 did not cater for the addition of the halo when they already knew that it would be added like formula 1 anyway <laughs> so we'll just see what happens uh with the obc's next year yes i think the halo graphics uh, which make formula 1 look gimmicky and game type might then also be done away with if the halo is not as visible so i'm going to be really glad about that but uh, so that's it from us uh, we will See you on Saturday. We are going to publish our Esteban Ocon episode after qualifying. So remember to check back our channel on whatever app that is you listen to us on. Adios, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since we're racing in Italy this weekend, we're going to say ciao, grazie, ragazzi. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. Well, you're just trying to be like Vettel and Rossi. <laughs> Aren't we or, all? Aren't or, we all? Or <laughs> Rosberg put together. But thank you, guys. Bye, bye. Fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Is that Shakespeare? Nope, it's Geico. Ah,、uh, yeah, 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 that's Shakespeare from one of his unpublished works. Oh, it be not for awakening. Nay, giveth thou the berries. For fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more. Nope, it's from Geico because they help save people money. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Geico got it from Shakespeare. Geico, fifteen minutes could save you fifteen percent or more.